Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Tsuk and today I will speak with Dr. Katerina Burros. Katerina is a CEO and founder of Excellent Executive Coaching. She's known for the books Fast Tracking Leaders to the C-Suite and Beyond and for Transforming Brilliant Jokes into Inspiring Leaders. She has 18 years of experience as a First Master Certified Coach and Founding Board Member from the ICF. In Switzerland. Today we will speak about how to handle challenging relationships with employees and colleagues and how to transform them into engaging leaders. So stay with us. Dr. Katerina, thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. And of course, my message is to give people a chance to change their behavior, even if they have a very bad behavior. Great, because I wanted to ask you about the book you wrote. Yes. Called Managing Brilliant Jerks. It, it's really an interesting name, I must say. <laughs> yeah, so here is the book. It's Managing Brilliant Jerks. So... Why did I start that? Well, it's really because, as I said, uh, there's people that are uh, very, very bright, very good experts, technologically very savvy, uh, but unfortunately, they don't have um, the interpersonal skills, and sometimes you remain sort of hurt by their message, mm -hmm. but their intent is good. It's interesting that you called the name of the book like this. It really caught me, the name, you know. It's a strong name to say a, a jerk. So I'm first of all interested, did you have a personal experience that you felt in your own uh, life and you said, okay, I can continue with this? What brought you to write this book about this specific topic? Yes, I, I did have uh, brilliant jerks in my life and I was very hurtful and Basically, all you remember is the way they say things and not how, what their intent was. Mm -hmm. And then with years later, I realized that their intent was positive, but the way they did it was very hurtful. Mm. So I thought, you know, it'd be interesting to help these leaders that have this, that are very good at their business and very helpful for the corporations. And that's why the corporations want to keep them. They want to keep them. So because they're, they turned around a company, they're maybe the best heart surgeon and a hospital has tried very hard to get this heart surgeon into the hospital. And then they find out he has a very bad bedside manner. So what you're going to do? The, the hospitals maybe tried for years to have this heart surgeon come, but there's such a turnover in the nurses that work with him. So that's the kind of, a person that uh, I think deserves a second chance. And why do they deserve a second chance? Some of them have been under huge pressure growing up to perform mm -hmm. and have a huge pressure on themselves. I'll give you a story. You know, one person, uh, their family were immigrants and they put huge pressure on their children to perform, especially the eldest son. The eldest son had to do this, had to be the best at school, had to shine in front of all their friends. And then 
you know, at one point in this family, he decided that he couldn't take the pressure. So he left and did something very in the farming business away from all this pressure. Well, what happened to the younger sister? The same. Who, who was an average student, who was not doing too well. All of a sudden, the sunshine mm. and the light of their parents was on her. She was their hope. And she rose to their expectations, but was constantly, you know, it's like it's conditional love in some ways. I'm simplifying it, but it's conditional love. So they're only as good as the last they do. They get very anxious and very threatened when they feel that somebody's in their way of performing. And so it can be, uh, it can be very harsh on other people. Now, I just want to say something. I'm not talking about people that are psychopaths because psychopaths, it's a sickness. It's a sickness and uh, they need therapy. They need uh, help of a different sort. I'm a coach. I'm an executive coach. And so I help those that basically are not, they have this huge pressure on them to perform but they are very bright and they're valuable to their company if their behavior changes. And mm -hmm. so we work on that. So it's interesting because you say that there's a lot of good people that are really professional at one aspect, but usually the other aspect of better communication relationships is decreased. So I think, first of all, the challenge today is to have both, right? Also the professional aspect and also the relational aspect. We can't have only one because it's not enough anymore because we're working in relationships and it's not in a hierarchical relationship anymore because we need to be able to manage ourselves, our colleagues, our friends, our peers. So first of all, I think it's important to understand that we need both of them right now. When you say in your career and while you were working with leaders, you encountered a situation in which People had the professional aspect, but less the relational aspect. And you analyze it. You say, okay, some of us uh, act upon this behavior because this is how we got our love. It was unconditional love. We adopted patterns that doesn't serve us anymore. The challenge is to let them go and adopt new behaviors and uh, in way of acting in order to achieve our goals. Yes. And the leaders, they have to work through people. Mm -hmm. They can't do it on their own. So they have to be good at inspiring others, developing others. Instead of competing with someone that might be as good as them, they have to help them perform better and learn what they can do so they can move up, basically. And the behavior is the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. But often, as a coach, you go underneath And you have to see what is the assumption they took on that provokes this behavior? Mm -hmm. What is the what triggers them? What is the underlying issues that triggers them that they out of control emotionally? They feel so threatened. And so that's the work we do is not only seeing the creating the insight that they're they're feeling threatened by something that might not be even threatening to somebody else at all. Can you give an example of an assumption that a leader that you worked with, uh, which assumption they had and how you helped them overcome this assumption and to change the behaviors? What, what was the transformation they went through? Yeah, so there, there's assumptions that uh, de 
trigger them. I mean, there's certain things that trigger them. Mm-hmm. For example, status or recognition. Most people want status and recognition. But let's say the brilliant jerk is very sensitive to that. There was uh, a woman that was high level in a multinational and they put her in a hotel that was not a five star. So she became irate and for 20 minutes just was upset to a point beyond the what merited it because why she had a room that wasn't as good as she expected. But the underlying issue is she thought that she wasn't being recognized for accomplishments and for who she was. And so that she was triggered. So to look behind, why is she triggered when she feels that she's not being recognized? I gave you an earlier example where her older brother couldn't stand the pressure and left the family to work on a farm. And she, who had been an average student, all of a sudden had the light and the expectations of her parents and started to outperform when she, before she was average student, she became a very good student. She became high, uh, a high achiever, but it's like, if I could simplify, it's like, she's only as good as what she last did. So to work with her, to understand what are her triggers, what is the underlying issues that makes her behavior just not acceptable for the situation. That's one way to do it. The other way is to do research work, which I do research work when I work with my clients and see how they are perceived by her environment. They have coaching. They're usually very, very, very bright individuals that I work with. They are very good at what they do. They're appreciated by their company, but interpersonally, they don't know how to lead teams usually. And a leader needs to work through others and the company feels that they can do better or there's too much turnover or too many complaints from the HR that HR is receiving. So I do some research work and how this person is perceived by people she admires or he admires and by people that uh, uh, I make sure that the other people that So the leader doesn't know how many people are in this research work to keep it very anonymous, obviously. So this research work really comes and shows where the person excels and where the person, what behaviors is impeding them to get to the next level of their career. And when I bring back this feedback, which is a lot of data, these people are usually stunned, but I didn't mean to say that that way. Why? That was a joke. Yes, but it was very hurtful, you see, for example. You know, when you're speaking, I'm thinking about the fact that I think it's each and every one of us is patterns. I call this automatic behaviors that we act upon them because we learn that it serves us. But sometimes we get to a point in life that they don't serve us anymore. And then we need to pause and reflect upon them and change them. This way we evolve as people. It's not, I don't think it's only like you call them jerk, brilliant joke, but I think it's each and every one of us because we all have patterns. So, and it starts from being a baby. Like if I was a baby and I cried and my mom had a phone when I was crying, 
and she left the room and I started crying and she left the room. I can connect the assumption that when I'm crying, I will be alone. And then I won't let myself cry during my otherness because I know that I have an unconscious assumption that when I cry, my mom leaves me and I stay alone. And I think there's a lot of patterns that we even are not aware of them. And I think part of the process for us as human beings and as employees is to reflect upon our behaviors and to see places that we feel that we are getting stuck, that we are not pleased of the goals that we achieve. And then we need to ask ourselves, why? What are we doing that we can change? So I think it's important to be able to reflect also patterns in culture, also within ourselves. It's part of being mindful and not acting automatically and really choosing our behaviors, our patterns from an awareness place. What do you think about it? I think you make a very interesting point, and I totally agree that there's there's underlying assumptions that, uh, for you gave the example, the baby, that uh, every time they cry, the mother left. Mm-hmm. Well, there's assumptions too. And when they get the feedback, when these leaders get the feedback, they they are shocked at times because they say, but that was to be, that was humorous, but it, but it wasn't perceived as such. So it's a wake up call. And that since underlying assumptions are hard to get to because they're almost unconscious, Mm -hmm. you know, the subconscious. So that's a big part of the work is what are the underlying assumptions and always looking at the outcome. What does the leader want like outcome? And is that behavior the right thing? And that's a start, but that then we go underlying the next step is underlying what is behind underneath the behavior and what's the underlying assumption and that's the deeper work of coaching Mm -hmm. once they're aware it's sort of like they're changed they're completely changed if you only work on the behavior it's like it's not quite the same yes it's not deep is and some people have difficulty asking for uh, pricing and asking for money. Well, underlying there's a there's a link between asking for money and their self worth. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll always have that issue of a lot of women have this of asking the right value for their services, but it's that's not really that's the tip of the iceberg. Underneath, it's the self value and what are they saying to themselves. That is a reflection that they can't ask for fees for their work, for example. Katrina, when you work with companies, you also find the culture assumption. It's interesting that they have collectively as a company. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you, you asked that question. I'm a PhD in organizational development. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that a lot of coaching don't integrate is the culture of the company, Mm -hmm. because look, if you work on improving the behavior of an executive, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've changed behavior, but you put them back in an environment where tough behavior is rewarded and pushing people around are rewarded. Well, it's like taking a recovering alcoholic back in the bar with his drinking buddies. So I think there's a big big interaction between working with the individual and working with the organization. In part, by research work, you can get the culture of the company and understand it better. 
this culture of the company is not only the company, but it's also the culture of the country. I mean, in Switzerland, maybe an Israeli would be considered a bit rough because mm-hmm. the Swiss are consensus basis. You don't say things direct, right? Yeah. Uh, so you also have to integrate the culture of the country. I mean, what is acceptable like behavior and what is not? And so there's a lot of misunderstanding cross-culturally, cross-nationally. And then you have the same thing with corporations. Like uh, one fellow I coach was a very driven type A personality who uh, worked for American companies and did very well. Well, when he had a top level position in a Swiss company, he didn't do well at all because he was pushing people. He was uh, annoying them. He didn't understand that a lot of the decisions were done by consensus basis and through informal ways of making decisions. Mm-hmm. And so he was uh, released from that company. So when he came to another Swiss company, that company said, okay, we will call Katrina Burius to help him integrate faster and more productively in this new cultural environment because his ways are still a bit rough for our culture. So it's interesting you say another thing that it's important to align the assumptions, the behaviors of the individual in the culture, otherwise it won't work, right? You can be an amazing individual, but if you are not aligned with the values and with the culture of the company and the assumptions and the ways to act, you won't fit in. So it will be a gap and then you'll be frustrated because you, you do what you can, but at the end of the day, the goals won't be as you want it to be. Absolutely. And so I think research work really helps to understand not only what the individual, how they're perceived, but also the culture of the company. I'm going to give you another example. This fellow was a very capable individual, took his frequent flyers for flying planes and went first class. Okay. There's nothing wrong. It's his frequent flyers. He didn't steal. He just took it and went first class. But when other people found out that he went first class, they said, who does he think he is? He thinks he's a big uh, big CEO, but he's not. You see, that was not well perceived. Why? Because the CEO of the company didn't go first class. He mm-hmm. always went business. You see, so there's, there's little cultural elements like that mm-hmm. that can be misinterpreted. But if they're caught at the very beginning, then they don't grow. They don't, uh, you can nip it in its bud. Yes, I think it's part of engaging with a new culture. You need to learn the norms and the way of behaviors and the values because it seems like from your example that the value was, okay, let's not invest a lot of money in the in flying, but be, be eye to eye with our employees. And he came and it feels like, it didn't adjust to the culture of the company. So I think it's part of um, being uh, mindful and uh, learning your environment when you come to a new environment, no? Don't yes, you- it's also learning. But, so, you know, you as a C- CEO of a company, you have so much to learn so quickly. And a, a bad perception can be done so quickly that the to have someone 
really do that underlying research work and giving that feedback. Look, this is how they make decisions. This is uh, the the values, and here's the data. This is I asked them this question. This is what they answered. Gives huge amount of information to the CEO that's coming into a new position. Then they can avoid a lot of difficult situations. In advance, before you onboard into a new company, you need to. It will help you if you will learn the, the culture before you start acting. You, you learn the norms, you learn uh, uh, what's important for the company. As much as you can. And, yeah. and sometimes just when you start in a new position, first of all, the CEO, when he comes into the company, he's making a lot of assumptions too, mm-hmm. as to know what are those assumptions, what do they want, what's their goal, uh, what's their expectation, what's their strengths, what's their weaknesses what teams they want to put together, what's their vision, their personal vision and and the vision for the company that they're going to work for, and then do uh, have someone support them in finding out exactly the culture of the company. All this information is very useful to be productive much more quickly. And it does show in the research that you become more productive quicker when you have this kind of support. And when a company's in higher CEOs and one fails after 18 months, that's a, it costs the company so much money because the research work shows that 40% of CEOs fail after 18 months. That's a high number. And that's a lot of cost of getting them, of also not only hiring them, but it's also the people that before the CEO, the new CEO comes, they sort of wait, they, they're not as productive, there's a certain amount of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cost in hiring a new CEO and uh, to give a much better chance that it works by supporting them instead of just throwing them in the pool and hope they can swim. What tips can you give to our listeners how to engage people, inspire people? You know, it's uh, I have uh, on my website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com, an exercise mm-hmm. that's called adding EQ to your IQ, adding your emotional intelligence to your intellectual intelligence. And it's really how well do you know the other person? And it develops that emotional side. It says, what are they thinking? Uh, what are they feeling? And it looks to your hands, what are they doing? currently. And then it looks the gut, which symbolizes what are their fears? And the legs is where they want to go. And the heart, what's their passion? When you know an employee or anyone you work with at that level, you begin to have a much deeper conversation. That's what I think with the maturity of leaders Mm -hmm. is that they listen more, they observe more, and they know more even before they even start a relationship. Unfortunately, younger leaders who are very bright and very top-notch from the top-notch schools, they often react with other people the way they think they react and they assume a lot. Yeah, the more uh, senior leader steps back, takes himself out of the situation. In other words, doesn't assume that his way is the highway, as they say. Mm-hmm. So is much more observant. And sometimes even be- when the person walks to the desk and argues for something, they don't always know technically as much as the person that comes into their office, but they can feel, is this person really convinced 
or not that he is right? Is he sure of himself? And so that they can pick up. Because, you know, a lot of leaders have to lead people that are technologically uh, much more advanced than they are. It's their interpersonal skills that identify if, if this person really knows what they want or what they need. So it's like someone that is triggered, like a, a brilliant jerk, as I call them affectionately. When an employee comes to them and has failed at what they do, and tells them, well, the brilliant jerk might shoot the messenger (laughs) or be triggered because a failing of their employee might reflect badly on their leadership. So they get very upset. You know, when I uh, facilitate my courses, the mindfulness-based leadership courses, one of the exercises we do is a trigger meditation. Each and every one takes something that triggers him. It can be a his colleague, his peer, his boss. It can be even that my boss came to the office and didn't say good morning, you know, and it triggers me. And then we meditate on it. We let it go and see what arises in our body. So we create space to see what arises in this moment of the trigger. And then afterward, we talk about it and reflect about it and see how we can act differently next time when we encounter this trigger. So it's increasing our ability to be mindful as you say, to see beyond our emotion that triggers us in this moment and to see the, also to connect to the broader picture and to see what's on the other side, who's in front of me, what is pains, what is fearful of, what triggered him and to try to work with it in a not automatic manner, but to explore how we can act differently. So I think if each and every one of us uh, practice mindfulness and being able to pause before we act, before we say automatically what we want to say and work with it so we will create a space in which we can find better solution and, and include each other and see each other. Instead of going to a win-lose situation, we can create a space of win-win situation. And another thing that I hear you saying, and also from my experience, I think a crucial element in the tool is the communication aspect at the end of the day, the ability to communicate ourselves in a clear way, to listen really to the other side beyond our assumption, as you said, and to be open-minded and op- open heart, and even with open will to find the right solution, even if it's beyond or different from what I thought was the right solution. So I think communication is a crucial, crucial element and skill that we need to embrace nowadays in order to work with various kinds of people with a difficult situation in order to achieve and inspire and engage because as you said when we listen to each other and communicate from a different place so it's getting deeper and then we can create deeper connection and relationship then then we can find the right solution because we are open absolutely i totally agree and that's very interesting and uh, as i mentioned that uh, the brilliant shirt that is triggered he listens the the employee has failed they feel like it's a reflection on their leadership that they didn't succeed and they usually Mm -hmm. uh, respond by the fighting method, you know, fight, flight, free. So they become aggressive. Uh, I would say the inspiring leader is mindful, as you mentioned, that steps back from the situation, analyze what's the situation of the employee. Is the employee uh, somebody that uh, 
tried very hard but was not able to do it because they don't have the skill set or they don't have the capability to that, then they will react and say, okay, I want this person to succeed. So I will make the project smaller or in bite sizes, or I'll put a mentoring so that they can succeed or they can go on to training. So the objective is that that person succeeds or be placed in a situation where they can seed and bring the maximum to the company. Or is it a motivational issue? Is the person just not motivated? They're not inspired. They could do it, but they they just don't want to do it. Then the leader will adjust their leadership agility and then say, okay, we need to have a heart-to-heart discussion. What's the underlying issue to the lack of motivation? So this is a simple example to show what leadership agility is, is to being able to see and understand the employee's situation as a person in the situation and then adapt and do what's Mm -hmm. necessary for that person to succeed and do what's best for them and their company. And that's the inspiring leader. Amazing. And I want to conclude by saying that I think you said an interesting and crucial element. Usually as humans and people, you know, we, as you said, is doing something not right. And I defend myself. So I act for my automatic behavior. But I think being a leader is the ability to see, okay, this person touches my buttons. Okay, what's happening to me right now? What triggers me? Okay, I won't act upon my emotions, but I will manage my emotions. And then I can really lead this situation, this challenging um, situation and connect to the broader picture beyond my feelings and beyond these unpleasant feelings and create a space. And from this place, I can pivot it and take this situation to another place that I want to achieve. I think this is the crucial element. Each and every one of us is a leader. You can lead an idea that you want to promote, a team, a peer, a colleague, even our kids at home, I think. So I think each and every one of us need to be able to act mindfully and to be connected to our feelings and our emotions and sensation, but not letting them manage us, but managing them. So it was really interesting and a great closure. Katrina, before we wrap up, can you tell the audience where they can find you? They can find me on excellentexecutivecoaching.com, the website, excellentexecutivecoaching.com. There are a lot of free complimentary downloads of the 18 tips to stop abrasive behavior, uh, how to develop your emotional intelligence, quotes about great leaders. And you can also uh, purchase my latest book that's called Managing Brilliant Jerks, How Organizations and Coaches Can Transform Difficult Leaders into Powerful Visionaries. So these are all ways that uh, people can contact me. Also, if people have a situation, they can uh, have a complimentary uh, session to talk to me. And of course, I have my own podcast called Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. So it was a real pleasure to be on your show, Karen. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. This was Dr. Katerina Boros. Hope you enjoyed our conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.